Hi everybody, Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. I hope you're doing well. So, the very brave Pamela Anderson has revealed a history of sexual abuse on her blog, which is truly horrific and uh, shocking. Um, never to the degree that she was, uh, I was molested uh, as a child by an older man. Uh, it was nothing serial, but certainly disturbing. And I really do admire the courage of this woman for coming forward and speaking about this. I think that there's still some places to go in terms of self-knowledge for her. So I will uh, read a little bit of what she says. I think it's really important we need to understand this. The prevalence of sexual abuse in society, even in the West, is absolutely shocking, appalling, and staggering. One in three girls and one in five boys claims to have had what are euphemistically called premature sexual experiences. I myself, of course, was caned on the behind in boarding school when I was six or seven years old, which is to me a form of sexual assault. And the sexual predation and rape of children is uh, so widespread and co so common spread that it really is one of the truly pillars of fire, hellish foundations of society as a whole. So this is from PamelaAndersonFoundation.org forward slash blog. This is the May 16th, 2014 entry. She says, uh, part one, hello everyone, sorry about the venue change. But I think I like this better. Uh, this is the start of another crazy adventure. And she says, uh, I did not have an easy childhood despite loving parents. I was molested from age six to 10 by my female babysitter. Now, I've heard lots of stories uh, of female rape of children. It is part of the female participation in the cycle of violence that remains unspoken due to its exquisite horror and over a sort of natural desire for society to protect the guardians of the eggs, so to speak. Uh, this, of course, generally is translated in the mainstream media as a babysitter. Uh, the, the word female has to be dropped for obvious reasons. She says, I went to a friend's boyfriend's house while she was busy. The boyfriend's older brother decided he would teach me backgammon, which led to a back massage, which led to rape. My first heterosexual experience. He was 25 years old. I was 12. 12. My first boyfriend in grade nine decided it would be funny to gang rape me with six of his friends. Needless to say, I had a hard time trusting humans. I just wanted off this earth. My parents tried to keep me safe, she writes, but to me, the world was not a safe place. My dad, an alcoholic, my mom worked two jobs waitressing. My mom was always crying. Dad didn't always come home, leaving us in tremendous pain and worry. I couldn't bear, it's a typo, isn't it? I couldn't bear to give her any more disruptive information. See, that's the key. That's the key about sexual abuse of children, which is when you feel or experience that your primary caregivers, your parents, are just barely hanging on by a thread, uh, barely holding it together, then bringing the news of sexual abuse to them is uh, just horrendous. It's something that children don't do. They become, in a way, protective parents to their fragmented parents. And this is so essential because to be preyed upon sexually as a child, the predator, the evildoer, must be so incredibly certain 
that you do not have the kind of bond with your parents that will reveal his or her actions before committing them. This is what is sniffed out by these child-eating predators is the lack of bond between child and parent. The best protection for children is a strong, open, communicative bond between parent and child. And this is known at a very deep level, at a blink-style level, by these sexual predators. Think of the risk of a sexual predator every time he or she molests, rapes a child. They are facing instantaneous child-telling parent, parent-calling cops, cops coming over, them being convicted, thrown in jail, where the horrors that they visit upon children will doubtless be visited upon them, as we all know child molesters. Rarely fare at all well in prison because so many people are in prison as the result of negative childhood experiences, not least of all of which is rape by an adult. So to fulfill their evil lusts, a predator must be extraordinarily certain that the child will not run to the teacher, to the coach, to the police, uh, to, to, to the parents. They must be so overwhelmingly certain. That's the fundamental drive of the sexual predator, of the child molester, is to find out, to sniff out whether there is a lack of bond between the child and the parent. And when Pamela writes about despite loving parents, well, the father's an alcoholic, and we're going to assume that the mom brought the babysitter into her life who molested her for uh, many years, from six to ten. So four or five years of molestation of this beautiful, wonderful, innocent child by a female babysitter where poor Pamela did not feel she had the capacity to tell her mother. The mother invited this woman into her life just as the mother invited the alcoholic father into her life. It wasn't that the parents failed to protect her. Her mom actually introduced this pedophile to Pamela, setting herself up for a lifetime of sexual exploitation, which goes all the way through her Playboy appearances and, and all the way through the sex tape that she made with uh, Tommy, Lee, Tommy Lee that was stolen and broadcast over the internet to her contraction of hepatitis uh, as a result of shared needles and so on. And the intense sexual hell that has arisen out of her life was first started, the ball started rolling very early when she was six or so, but the child molester, this, this babysitter, this woman, came over and knew that the molestation was not going to be reported to the parents and knew that the parents were going to invite her back and that Pamela felt helpless to say anything to her mother but had to submit to her mother having the babysitter come over all the time. Why did she need a babysitter? Because the father was an alcoholic and the mother was working two jobs. And when you have a dysfunctional family where the children need to be left with strangers, you are setting yourself up in many cases for just this kind of predation. This is why it is so essential to basically have your stuff together before you have children and make sure that you have the time to be with them on a full-time basis to keep them safe from just this kind of mess, this kind of monstrous predation. 
boyfriend's older brother, right? And this is the web that you fall into when you are preyed upon by these vampiric human spiders when you are a child. You end up in this hideous goblin-filled underworld of people who pass around broken children like sexual playthings to wrap around their unholy lusts. Because then it's a friend's boyfriend, older brother, right? The pedophiles are everywhere, they're male and female, and our lack of care and concern, our lack of open communications, our lack of welcoming of inconvenient facts from our children is what they rely on. They are a symptom of a lack of bonding between parent and child, right? They, they like ooze, they fill in gaps, they, they ooze into gaps in communication and connection between parent and child. A gang rape of Pamela at the age, right, in grade nine, uh, with, with seven boys. And again, no time, no capacity, no openness, no communication with the parents, with the teachers, with the caregivers. And society as a whole does not welcome inconvenient questions from children. And as a result, these predators can slither in to this gap. But loving parents, this is the standard Stockholm Syndrome to parents who obviously exposed her to unbelievable levels of danger, who invited a pedophile into the house to take care of their daughter, the woman or the girl, who were not there and not available to protect her, to, to keep the lines of communication open, who did not notice even perhaps. She says her mother was crying all the time. Well, why was her mother crying all the time? Perhaps because she knew what was happening to, happening to young Pamela. So she says, my parents tried to keep me safe, but to me the world was not a safe place. Well, it is the parent's job to keep the child safe. And a parent who fails to keep the child safe has failed the most elemental task of parenting second only to the child losing his or her life. Uh, you must, must, must stay in connection with your children. If your child is being molested as a parent, if you don't even know, if there's no, like if you don't notice this massive change in your child's personality as a result of a molestation experience, of a rape experience, then you have no connection with your child. And you are a terrible, terrible parent. That's your job to be connected with your child. So either the parent doesn't even notice the effects of a child being raped. Imagine, I'm dating some woman for five years. She is raped one night, and the next day I see her, and I notice that I don't notice that anything is different. Can you see how astoundingly self-absorbed and narcissistic and uncaring I would fundamentally be to not even notice the change if my long-term girlfriend had been raped? Uh, what if she had been raped by seven men? Would I notice a difference in her the next day? Well, I could claim that I didn't, but that would just probably make me a liar or so unbelievably self-absorbed that I wouldn't even notice the sun coming up the next morning if I willed darkness to continue. But if the parent notices that something terrible has happened with the child, but does nothing to ask the child, well, what happened? No, tell me, tell me what happened. And as a parent, I know almost every gradation 
of my child's mood and thoughts. And if these questions are asked, you know, what happened? Sit down, tell mommy, what happened? Why are you so sad? Why are you so upset? What happened? Why do you not want this babysitter to come over? Tell me, tell me, I want to know, I need to know. You can trust me, whatever it is, we'll sort it out. You can get the information out of the child very quickly. But there is a studious avoidance of this information. The true cause of which I cannot for the life of me figure out. Now, she has an affinity with animals, which of course I understand that because animals aren't going to rape her. And so all of the thwarted love and attachment is thrown from Pamela into this hysterical utopian vision of her parents as co-victims to her victimhood. My mother was always crying. My father was an alcoholic. They did the best they could. They were loving parents and so on. Because, so all of the thwarted love pours into this image of her parents, which is false. They did not protect her. They did not keep her safe. And they did not inquire or even notice about her mood changes after her uh, repeated rape for four or five years from six to ten. And then, of course, afterwards from there on. But it went there. And also then, of course, it went into animals as a way of having an attachment without having the threat of sexual attack and assault returning from them, right? So the image of her parents is a way of maintaining a bond where there was no bond. The, the, the image of her parents is as good and, and co-victims in her childhood. And then, of course, she pours her love into, into animals because facing the pain of the betrayal fundamentally from her parents, right? That the sexual predators exploit the lack of bond from the parents. Uh, the parents not morally responsible. The rapist is morally responsible, but they are the first cause of the risk factor, in my humble opinion. So I think it really is, I mean, we live in a kind of flickering, ghoulish, red, murder-tinged underworld of sexual predation upon children. Uh, You look at the BBC News, you look at the prevalence of child rape, what's going on in the church, what's gone in the Boy Scouts, uh, child rape is, and, and it's not strangers, it's not people jumping kids in alleys, it's not windowless vans. For the most part, it's it's people they know. It's the babysitter, it's 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 the friend's boyfriend, it's his, her first boyfriend and six of his friends. And there's such a profound alienation from these children, from society as a whole, that they could not even imagine that society could ever be there to protect them in any way, shape, or form, and they feel fundamentally alienated from and outside of social norms and social rules. And the view that these people have of society itself is that uh, we are uh, a a demon world of seemingly nice people leaning on picket fences and uh, changing the oil in their lawnmowers and hanging flower baskets on their front porch, uh, all of which is a general shield to the the behind-the-scenes demonic shadows that are invading the bodies, souls, and minds of children, splitting them like lightning through an old tree. And the view that these victims have, and this, this happened to you, I'm incredibly sorry for that, but the view that you may have of society is that it is filled with predators and enablers, with those who prey upon children and those who cover up the crimes by refusing to investigate the obvious bodies in the living room. So we do need to understand that this is still to a large degree 
what society fundamentally is. And we really need to understand the degree to which we must continue to monitor our connection with our children, to stay close to them, to ask them questions that may be uncomfortable and inconvenient. And to place our living, connected human hearts as a moat and a firewall between these taloned fingers and the tender minds and bodies and souls of our children. Because as long as the children are preyed upon in this manner, and almost everybody knows some child's in his or her orbit that this is occurring to in one form or another. Hurt people hurt people. And if we wish to diminish the amount of violence, disconnection, predation, all the way from shoplifting to genocide to the Wall Street crimes committed by the sociopaths who have learned that it's kill or be killed in society, that it's steal or being stolen from. Why are people thieves? People are thieves because their childhood was stolen and they hate a society that neither notices or noticed at the time, does nothing or did nothing to intervene and punishes them for the lashings out of their own histories. We must really work to fight to bring visibility without paranoia, to bring visibility to these kinds of crimes against children. Because if we allow these predators to eat our children, we turn, we turn childhood into a hellish zoo of criminal reproduction. And we will never know peace as a species in the world, ever until we protect our offspring with the deep connection of parental trust, curiosity, and love. Thank you, Pamela, and thank you for watching.